0: Superhero Stuff You Should Know is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network.
1: Hey, this is Ben from Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and I have an important announcement for you guys. At the end of every single episode of Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you might hear a shout-out to our fans, one of whom is Matt Herring, who was one of the original Superhouse fans. He's always given us his support, and now it's time that we support him. Uh, We've just recently found out that Matt has been diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer and as a cancer survivor myself i know personally that there's a lot of emotional and financial strain that comes into that uh his wife kelly has set up a gofundme account at gofundme.com f matthew hyphen kicks hyphen cancer 039s hyphen butt uh, and hopefully you can help reduce the financial strain to that, as well as some of the emotional strain that comes with that. Again, that's gofundme.com slash F slash Matthew dash kicks dash cancer zero three nine S dash butt.
0: Matt Herring was the first, I guess you could say true super house fan. We were super house at that time. But, you know, the first fan of this podcast and what we do here and um, has always supported us talked about us and um from a town close to where i'm from and uh, so we share that as well and just a huge superhero fan and you know nerd like the rest of us and now he's going through that and uh if you could donate just at least any amount of money to that link that ben just said that would be Truly appreciated. Just hang in there, Matt. You'll beat this thing soon.
2: General Steppenwolf, come forward.
3: Do I get to come home?
2: Not yet. You owe me 10,000 worlds. Remember, you betrayed me and...
1: I don't know. there's, There's something off about your eyes. There's something not dark enough.
2: Yes, there's something not evil enough about your eyes, Steppenwolf.
4: By God, they almost look like a cute
2: little animal's eyes. You look like you're f- from a fucking anime. I was not aware that you watched anime, Desod. I fucking love that shit. It's so gory and evil. Well, I learn something about my staff every day. Sailor Moon rules, but not, uh, not does not rule as much as... Yourself, Master Darkseid.
4: Very good. I needed you to save that for a minute there. I was getting worried that you had lost your
2: commitment to the merciful Lord Darkseid. I would never do such a thing, Granny Goodness.
1: Well, I believe that Steppenwolf, in
2: order for you to come home, you just need to look a little bit more evil. Something about your eyes, you need to fix that. Master Darkseid, why are we entrusting this guy with Earth? We're steppin' with (laughs) Master Darkseid, is he the shitty one or the good one? He looks much buffer. His armor is cooler, but again, his eyes, they look like puppy dogs in a TikTok video. It does
4: seem to look like an Instagram filter, but he does look more buff and swole than I remember him in 2017, Lord Darkseid
2: granny holds your horses there. My ankles are getting drenched from you wetting up the goddamn place. You mind your tongue. I'm afraid you've been off of Apocalypse
4: for too long, Steppenwolf. Your eyes have gotten cute. You're no
2: longer evil. On Apocalypse, we eye-shame the fuck out of everybody. And yours are looking like absolute shit right now. In a word, fuck your eyes.
4: No wonder he's getting so much support from people. They think he's nice now, and those little puppy
2: dog eyes. Keep talking that way to me. That sounds like what I want to hear. <laughs> much better. I see the blood running through your eyeballs now. They no longer look like magical girl anime, they look like that gory shit that I love. Yes, much more
4: metal. Lord Darkseid will be pleased.
2: My ankles are still wet, by the way, Granny. I think I've heard enough. Steppenwolf, now that you're evil again, go forth and give me my 10,000 worlds.
3: 9,999 short. Well, then hurry
2: your ass up. We believe in you, Steppenwolf.
4: Especially with your new evil eyes to match that swole-ass body. ha <laughs> ha.
2: Good lord, Granny! When was the last time you got laid? You ought to
4: ask your mother about that!
1: (laughs) Welcome to Superhero Stuff You Should Know, a Superhouse podcast. This is Ben, the man who knows too much about... Batman, I've got my batarangs, I've got my ionized gauntlets here, I'm ready to go, and we've put together the Justice League of our own podcast guest today, <laughs> haven't we, Andrew?
0: The, the team has been assembled, thanks yes. to Ben-Man. To ben <laughs> art is reflecting, or no, life is reflecting <laughs> art. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, overall, we got, uh, first off, as we've had in the last few episodes, we have Zach,
5: Hey there, YouTube. Your eye candy is back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the ego was gone. He's been on too many episodes now. He's been on too many fucking episodes. <laughs> and then, we haven't
1: had him in a while, but we also have Dustin Lee Massey.
3: Yes, it's good to be back. Um, we get to touch base after this long year of, like, COVID, and, uh, you know, we've... Uh, kept in close contact over the year and developed some really cool relationships in this like back community so like i wanted to thank everybody for their support over the last year
1: awesome awesome yeah no certainly the last time we talked was on uh the contagion and arkham asylum episodes and i think at that point we just who knew like how the snyder cut would turn out but here it is so today we're going to start our new series at that point we
3: didn't even know at all
1: I don't think we did. No, no, no we did.
6: <laughs> we did not. I don't think we knew.
1: <laughs> no, no. So uh, we're going to start our new series, Justice League. We had Snyder versus Critics. Now it's Snyder versus Whedon. Uh, we've seen the 2017 cut where 50% of it was rewritten and reshot by Joss Whedon, notoriously. Uh, and we've now seen the 2021 cut that was completely shot by Zack Snyder, true to his vision. And for those who don't know the reasons why there are two versions of Justice League, or they know someone who doesn't understand, why are they re-releasing this again, uh, we have a mini-episode coming out on why the Snyder Cut exists and why that's a good thing, and that goes to the full behind-the-scenes story. These guys already know it, so I'm not going to take up their time to do it, but check that out if you haven't already. If you already know the story and you already want to see our analysis, here you are, so thank you. Uh, but keep watching. We're going to dive into each beat of Snyder's version and the Whedon version and go into why we prefer one over the other. But before we do, we might as well just go into our quick you know, opinions on the 2017 theatrical cut, Versus the Snyder cut, let's keep it to a quick, you know, one minute thoughts, and you know we're breaking everything down later. So we might as well start with uh, let's go in reverse order. Then, uh, Dustin, give us your thoughts on the original cut versus this new Snyder cut.
3: Um, my initial reaction was just like I knew it was gonna be better, but I was just amazed at how completely different the movie was and um it it was really like this eye-opener in terms of how much influence the production companies like have over the films and the frankenstein monster they created in 2017. so it was real eye-opener for me
1: Mm -hmm. awesome zach damn
5: it was good (laughs) i am i am shocked i was shocked at how much i liked it because Kind of like uh, Dustin, I I had a feeling it would be better, but I that is the my least favorite movie, uh, the you know Justice League version. Uh, like I said before, that's the one movie I don't own with Batman in it, like a Batman on film. But that totally changes now. I wanted to come out on DVD or Blu Ray so that I can own it because yeah, it is uh it is so much better than what I experienced in 2017.
1: Awesome. Uh, For me, I mean, we have a whole three hour episode back in 2017 on what we thought of Justice League. At Justice League, we spent way too much time talking about it, honestly, for what it deserved. (laughs) Uh, But to quote Superman in this movie, our feelings were not impressed. So, you know, it was generic. (laughs) It had no emotional impact on me. And then, like, two years ago, you know, there was talk of a Snyder Cut, but we didn't really know the details of it. We didn't know, like, how severely it was butchered. We just thought, like, okay, like, Snyder just had a different version. And at the time, and I'm, you know, I'm going to put my foot in my mouth here. At the time, I was just like, eh, I don't really care if it comes out. It's probably not going to make much of an impact. It's probably, you know, maybe it'll be a little better, but that's it. Again, that was before we found out how much dark side there was. That was before we found out the abuse that Ray Fisher endured. So, to paraphrase Ray Fisher uh, in one of his tweets, I would like to forcefully retract every word of that statement. I was wrong. <laughs> the first five minutes had more <laughs> emotional impact on me than the whole two hours of Justice League. This is unquestionably a different movie, a better movie. You know, I have agreed with a lot of the criticisms of, of Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, even though I have also defended on other criticisms on this podcast, as you saw in previous episodes. But this is. This is the best of Zack Snyder's DC movies, in my opinion. This is better than Man of Steel. This is better than Batman vs. Superman, either version. Uh, It's the closest thing to a Justice League movie that I've always wanted, way more so than the Justice League one. I've always wanted something that had some weight to it, and this is the one, and I just didn't realize this was the one. Uh, But, you know, even if I might have seen a little bit more critical on Snyder in the past, if this is Snyder Unhinged and the past is Snyder, you know, on a leash. I want to see more of Snyder Unhinged. So I you know, I'm a Zack Snyder fan through this movie. I want the Snyder to come back to write the ship on DC. Hashtag restore the Over to
0: Andrew. Release the Kraken. Yeah. I mean, we need a Snyder unleashed all the time. This movie was better in basically every way imaginable. I liked Avengers One a lot. I saw Avengers One four times in the theater. I like Joss Whedon had my money. Okay? I'm I'm not trying to, like, hate, but, I mean, well, the, we're not going to get into the drama in this episode, I think, between him and uh, Snyder personally, but, I mean, it was just, it's, it's amazing how much better it is, and just, like, kind of a meta-commentary here before we get more granular is, like, Snyder has the most interesting career in Hollywood now because, it, it, you know, it's like, Tom Brady is boring. He wins too fucking much. You know, losing sometimes <laughs> is fucking interesting. Mm-hmm. And, like, Snyder having these losses, you know, it's it's like, and then he comes back like this, and, you know, w- w- we all know about the loss of his daughter, and, you know, there's the credit at the end, and, you know, does suffering make for better art, you know, that's a whole other topic maybe, but it's just like, for me, it's the most interesting fucking career in Hollywood right now, It really, mm-hmm. he really is, so... And uh, I guess now we're leading into our next part in which we give a fucking applause because, (laughs) of course, he deserves it from us. Right, guys? So it's time to (laughs) applaud Snyder, everybody. (laughs) He did it. He did it. Yes. So...
1: (laughs) Now we're going to compare the two cuts. Now, I think it's pretty obvious who we're siding with here in terms of the two different movies. So uh, thanks for joining us here today at Superhero Stuff You Should Know. See you later. But just to make this more interesting, though, um, you know, when we did Snyder vs. Critics, we were clearly voting on, like, hey, on each criticism, where do you side with, what do you think? Here it's going to be a little less about that. It's already obvious which one is the better film. But I think what would be interesting is to give points, you know, to Snyder and obviously the stuff we liked, but also give points to the original theatrical cut on anything that we'd like that isn't in this version. So obviously those might, you know, they might feel like pity points, but they also might feel like legit things. They're just like, hey, maybe that they did have a point there to have this element uh, on it. Again, it's probably not going to be nearly as many points as Snyder, but it is interesting to explore because I think there are still people online who sort of see this as just like, oh, this is just a longer version of the same movie. And I think what this series will do is examine not just why the Snyder scenes are different and better, but what makes it good. You know, I think there's a clear difference between this is better than the crap years ago, which doesn't really say much if you think about it, uh, versus this is a good scene, this is a good movie. Uh, so I think for this one, we're going to go into each chapter of Zack Snyder's Justice League and go into the differences and go around you know the panel and see what your guys' thoughts were in terms of. You know all the major changes along that. So I call it Snyder versus Whedon because Whedon was the one who was basically directing a lot of the reshoots. I am aware that a lot of that came from studio mandates as well as some of the stuff that made it into the quote-unquote Justice League was stuff actually shot by Snyder that the studio dictated that stu- that Snyder decided to cut out of the 2021 stuff. So not everything we liked from the Justice League stuff is necessarily from Joss himself. Now, some of it's from the studio. Some of it is from Snyder. But uh, I'm just going to call it the Whedon cut, partially because he, is, he was the director whose name was on it, and also because I feel like calling it the studio theatrical cut kind of makes it seem like I'm taking the blame off of Whedon on a lot of stuff, and I'd rather not do that. So <laughs> here it is, Snyder versus Whedon. So uh, the first thing right from the beginning I wanted to point out is that we have different writing credits on both movies. In the 2017 Whedon cut, it was the, it said story by Chris Terrio and Zack Snyder. Screenplay by Chris Terrio and Joss Whedon. Whedon's only credit on the movie. He did not take a co-director c- credit on that movie. Uh, he probably should have, honestly. <laughs> Just so that we knew who to blame. On the right. uh, new 2021 cut, there's no Joss Whedon credit. It's Instead of story by Chris Terrio and Zack Snyder, it's a story by Chris Terrio, Zack Snyder, and Will Beal. And then screenplay by Chris Terrio. Now, who is Will Beal? Why was his name added? Will Beal was one of the screenwriters on Aquaman but he also wrote a justice league script back in 2012 so it'd be interesting to dive into that we will be doing that Mm. in our uh patreon separate deep dive since we don't have time to go that much into it We're we've got a whole movie to talk about here so (laughs) uh chapter one is called don't count on it batman and that is the main chapter we'll be talking about today and we're going to explore the opening scene where in the original snyder cut that we saw this year It's an opening flashback to Batman versus Superman, with Superman being killed by Doomsday, but also his death cry awakens the Mother Boxes around the world. We see it awaken the Mother Box in Victor Stone's apartment, the Atlanteans, the Amazonians. You know, the shot we see of Themyscira, of going to Themyscira, was the first. uh, You know, that is the first shot that we uh, that we saw in this one that we had seen in 2017. We didn't have just placed it in a different uh, part of the movie. Uh, he must have shot this during Batman versus Superman because the continuity is just—it's just dead on in terms of just what the characters look like uh, and everything. He must have these must be just alternate shots he shot, or he knew he was going to go into Justice League and he decided to have like these close-ups of Wonder Woman and Batman. There are like no reused shots at all. It was uh, back to back, like, yeah, straight mm-hmm. up back to back. Yeah,
0: yeah. they were—that's why they wanted to replace Snyder during production because he's shooting Justice League during the bad reception of Batman versus Superman.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Uh, And so it really sinks in here. This is a different movie (laughs) than what you saw because now going to the theatrical cut in 2017, we didn't get this at all. There was no tie in with Batman versus Superman in the opening. We didn't start with starts with cell phone footage of Superman talking to children about hope. And most notoriously is the fact that probably nobody was paying attention to the dialogue because Uh, Henry Cavill was shooting with uh, a mustache from uh, his time shooting Mission Impossible Fallout and so they digitally tried to remove the mustache and the result is 50% of his face looks like a cartoon throughout the entire (laughs) scene. So uh, even though it's a nice sentiment uh, to have Superman talking to children which we hadn't seen in the previous movies it just was not nobody really liked the scene in fact when I first saw it in the theater I was like "You're, you're kidding me that's what he's going to look like in this movie (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and then Whedon's cut has a whole sequence in Gotham where a robber played by Holt McElhaney uh, gets caught by Batman and Batman uses him as bait to capture a parademon who sort of blows himself up and leaves clues to the three mother boxes which leads Batman and Alfred to decide to recruit the team and so those are the two different opening sequences let's go around the panel and see uh, what you guys think of both starting with Dustin
3: um that was the one thing i was like really uh kind of surprised by like if if i'm gonna give whedon any points the first batman opening scene was pretty awesome (laughs) (laughs) you know i mean (laughs) i'm 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 all about bat black so um and i was even more surprised when it doesn't show up anywhere like at all you know Mm -hmm. so then you specifically knew that that was like completely separate um you know I do I love the way that they explain like the 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 bell has been rung so to speak right uh and they explain why these things are happening um I understand that that needs to be in place so you understand what is going to happen um I don't necessarily maybe think that Whedon's um beginning scene was better but visually it looked amazing and I love you know, bat fleck. So um I do like that scene. Um that's probably the only thing from Weedens that I'm gonna give you points on. <laughs> oh man. Can't believe we're starting out like this. <laughs> <laughs> believe me, I'll go the other way. I'll go the other way but if you give me bat fleck or anything else, I'm gonna be like bat fleck. <laughs> Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Okay. Zach?
5: Um, so I really enjoyed the new opening. I thought that was really, really cool to actually see uh the direct consequences of what happened at the end of Batman versus Superman. And just to like see that effect of his like uh, you know, vocal range like coin kinda of going out, like echoing throughout the world and how, you know, everybody is hearing it and seeing the is kind of come to life that was so great to see because it already like let me know like okay this is definitely a totally different movie it wasn't what i was expecting at all and uh yeah i was thinking back to that scene in the justice league as well with batman and the parademon and i started to think how how out of sync that was because you know with this one we see batman and he's like already 7 samuraiing it as Zack Snyder put it (laughs) uh, in the Antarctic area and I'm like so did he was he in Gotham and did he grew his beard really fast and then he went into the Antarctic because I was thinking about that maybe I gotta I don't really want to watch that Justice League again the the 2017 version but I gotta see the I still can't believe you
0: let you hate it more than Suicide Squad though but sorry to interrupt
5: (laughs) I know I something about it I really was disappointed (laughs) in it but uh Yeah, I I like the new opening a lot. Um, I don't miss the cell phone footage, and I certainly don't miss the CGI naked upper lip of Henry Cavill. So uh, it's a big (laughs) plus for me, the new opening.
0: All right, Andrew. It was the Joss one was bad with the, (laughs) the cell phone footage, just bad, man. I mean, I'm a huge Henry Cavill Superman fan, but that was just, I mean. Even even without the weird mustache, we I don't know we just don't need that. I right. think just with the mother box opening and just explaining like Superman died, so that activates him. You know, you get sort of some payoff there from the last movie. So so yeah, definitely points to Snyder for me on this one.
1: Nice, nice. Yeah, uh, I grew with that. I mean, I just I remember sitting down to watch. I'm just like, okay, here we go. I'm ready, and then just. As it was going, I was like, this is going to be something special. Like, that was the feeling that I got off of uh, the Snyder opening, as opposed to the Whedon opening, where I was just like, oh my God, seriously. So, like, <laughs> already we got a good, oh, we got a way man. better start. Again, it's, it was something, there's something about Justice League that I felt more than in Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman personally, where I felt like there was more emotional weight to everything uh in comparison even though i still like elements of man of steel and batman for superman as i I talked about but this one it was just like there's an emotional weight to it throughout the entire thing that sort of lines up more cohesively for me personally uh i do agree with uh dustin however that i did like the batman scene in gotham that whedon did in fact one of the best shots of the theatrical cut is when uh the robber exits he exits the door and you can see the reflection of batman in the window uh, and or of the glass door before he shuts it uh so that's an awesome part however to me that sequence kind of falls apart. i mean it's great when batman and you know Batfleck is moving around but it kind of falls apart once he captures the parademon because now that i've seen the original one i'm just like okay wait a minute so the parademon in the whedon cut after he gets captured by batman it randomly explodes and leaves the three marks of the mother boxes on the wall and I was like why would the parademon do that when it blows up so that doesn't make any sense uh (laughs) Whedon has this whole subplot of Bruce investigating like what do the three boxes mean which is like completely redundant when you also think about it because Diana is just going to tell him about it in the history lesson (laughs) later on so that doesn't make any sense the scene was also criticized because Batman flat out says in front of the mugger he's like Alfred do you see this and people in the audience were like why are you saying Alfred's name in front of the mugger (laughs) <laughs> um or the or the thief and then Batman also just leaves the thief on the rooftop without even arresting him he doesn't like truss him up or bring him to Gotham PD he just kind of leaves him there he's just like thank you for letting me use you as bait so I'm just like that's that was kind of off and then there's also a continuity question that Zach brought up in terms of like how long does Bruce take to find Aquaman after he finds the boxes? Or does he just have that much testosterone that he just can grow a beard in two days like that uh, afterwards? So
0: He is Batman. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I don't know, man. Once you get older, you, you can grow it faster, too, I think. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so,
1: uh, so I would say, in terms of our votes here, I would say Snyder gets a point for a better opening, and Whedon gets one point for the like, Gotham scene. So Snyder yeah. won, Whedon won. I'd say that that's fair. Uh, moving on, we're going to do something that's not really the, a specific scene, but something that I think is worth talking about, which is the music, uh, the musical score. So Snyder had Tom Holkenborg, aka Junkie XL, score the original movie for the 2017 cut. Uh, Junkie XL had collaborated with Hans Zimmer on Batman vs Superman Dawn of Justice, uh, and unfortunately due to the changeover, Junkie was uh, basically taken off that project. Instead, he was replaced by Danny Elfman. Uh, Danny Elfman was personally hired by Joss Whedon, who had previously worked with him on Avengers Age Voltron. Uh, And he was hired while Whedon was shooting the reshoots. So Elfman described it as uh, almost like working on an animated film because he was going off of storyboards (laughs) uh, rather than uh, anything else. Um, Most notoriously, Elfman brought back his Batman theme from the 89 movie and Batman Returns, as well as the opening theme to the first two episodes of batman the main series he also brought in the john williams superman theme uh instead of using the batman and superman themes from the previous movies which fans criticized for sort of ruining the musical continuity uh i'm partially surprised he didn't bring in his uh, flash theme from the 1990s series for ezra miller's flash <laughs> but uh, he did not uh elfman is on record for not being a fan of the fact that reboots scrapped the original themes from years ago citing the use of You know the james bond theme has always been there or the mission impossible theme he you know he brought up that when he scored the first mission impossible movie with tom cruise he made sure to include the classic mission impossible theme um and fans criticized him for an interview where he said that batman has only ever had one theme reference to his own uh junkie xl was brought back to do this completed cut when he heard the news that hbo max was going to do it and he looked at the music they had written out in 2017 and he threw it out so this entire score is not from 2017 it's has been composed all four hours or so of it have been composed by Tom Hulkenberg in the past year because he felt that he has evolved in the past few years in, as a composer and he wanted to make sure that he stayed true to you know who he was right now so I can definitely respect that uh, and, of course, he brought back the themes by Hans Zimmer for Superman and Wonder Woman. Uh, he did not use his Batman theme for Batman versus Superman. He gave a new one for Batman to signify that Batman has sort of moved on and has healed from uh, the pain and is now driven to be a more sort of optimistic hero, as we saw. So uh, they have two very different feels uh, in this movie, but I thought I would throw it out to the panel. What, did you guys, what do you guys think of uh, the musical score in comparison? Dustin.
3: Um, I'll be honest with you. I can't remember the last time that I watched Justice League, <laughs> so like I couldn't <laughs> even comment on like the score at all, right? Um, but if we are going to talk about music, the one thing I will bring up is one, um, and this it just felt so like weird and like awkward to me was Arthur Curry is like you're out of your mind, Bruce Wayne dips in the water and those chicks start singing for way too long and i'm just waiting for (laughs) ben affleck to be like do you mind like what is wrong with you like it felt so weird and then you know the the songs after that were like these like really big like downers and i understood that like you're trying to create this mood like there's no hope because superman's gone
6: Mm -hmm. but i just
3: felt the song was bad like it wasn't a good (laughs) song right and what the icelandic women's is that what you're talking about you know and that's like the um uh the 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 one with like um uh something about like you said our gods would never die you lied um the, the gods would never uh grow old you lied it's uh lois lane is going to like the monuments oh yeah yeah the coffee scene yeah 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 and i was just like oh man we followed up the three weird singing chicks from aquaman right into this song and it's just like (laughs) that whole like brief moment i was like we just get through this quick um and uh i don't know it's all kind of felt awkward i mean the rest of it was fine and you know like i get like hyped every time like wonder woman's music comes on like the fight scene (laughs) like that like that just gets you pumped man but uh that just those three chicks in the beginning, I just kept waiting for Bruce Wayne to be like, dude, like, could you stop? He's gone. <laughs> like, just kept going. All
5: right. Zach. All right. Well, you know, I do love Danny Elfman and I do love his Batman and Spider-Man themes, especially, but I really liked this, uh, new composition because it really is just much more consistent with the previous movies. And I know that Andrew doesn't like the Wonder Woman theme as much, but I really liked hearing it multiple times throughout this movie, uh, especially during those fight scenes. I thought that was really, really, really cool. So, yeah, I did think the the three Icelandic women singing was kind of strange. I think I was just kind of like zoning into the movie at that point, so I wasn't really like thinking about how awkward it was. But um, I don't know. I kind of liked the Nick Cave song after that, so I was I'm pretty happy with the score overall of this movie and i have been listening to it a little bit um you know separate now that i've watched the film so yeah i think it's a big plus to have the junkie xl soundtrack so it's cool i didn't know that he did a new one a completely brand new one now
1: yeah no it's awesome andrew
0: i am absolutely terrible at noticing scores while i watch <laughs> a movie <laughs> I do not pick up on that stuff unless it's like Avengers I did bum bum Ba or whatever like that one I right. get but uh I don't know. I'm not the one to judge. I love music, but when it comes to movie scores, I'm just I don't know when I watch it I'm kind of passive about it. So I can't say either way <laughs> didn't notice any didn't notice any Batman score difference. Icelandic women singing. It did last a long time, but I think what Snyder's trying to do there (laughs) is basically uh, he's a god to them at this point. He's a savior savior figure, so they're like almost damn near making a fucking religion around this guy. (laughs) Yeah, I saw that too, yeah. Which is kind of funny and silly, but I'm at the point now where I'm like, Marvel would never do that shit. So I kind of yeah. like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so I kind of give him the point on that one. Even yeah, though yeah. it is kind of long and awkward. I, I don't know. We just had like and again, I love Marvel shit. I loved mm-hmm. WandaVision. I love all that shit. I'm a slut. I like it all. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I but I, that's but that's what it is. So I like I liked that too. So so yeah. Nice, nice. Uh,
1: my original stance on this was just like, uh, you know, Junkie XL, he'll, he'll probably fit more. But, you know, whether or not he's going to be necessarily more memorable, you know, we'll see. Uh, and I always sort of felt that Elfman in his original score got more flack for mainly just not being Hans Zimmer or Junkie XL uh, rather than having something that was bad uh, necessarily. You don't really hire Danny Elfman to be Hans Zimmer. You hire him to be Elfman uh, on it. So... Uh, Now that I've seen the movie, though, I agree with Zach. Like, it really has, like, a lot more emotional weight to it than any of what Elfman had done in the previous one. And, again, we're comparing a guy who had, like, you know, months and storyboards to work off of versus, you know, a guy who has been wanting to be part of this movie since 2017, finally gets the opportunity and decides to scrap everything beforehand and challenge himself as a composer while locked up in COVID. (laughs) Like, there's a big difference in terms of output uh, on that. Right. I, I think Elfman Square also gets a little bit too much of a bad rap because of what he said about there only being one Batman theme. I mean, the guy did what he was hired to do, and his Batman theme is, frankly, the most iconic Batman theme outside of Neil Hefty's 1966 one. Uh, Junkie's new Batman theme is fine. It's interesting. It's not my favorite. I'm warming up to it. It's kind of cool, <laughs> but it, it's, it's, it doesn't beat the, the Elfman theme. However, there is, you know, something very cool about, like... You know, as cool as it was to hear the Elfman theme in the Justice League, it was kind of more just like, I like this because it ties into my nostalgia, not necessarily because uh, this really fits the movie very well. Uh, as opposed to this one, like, Junkie was very much about like trying to stay true to the thematic continuity of all the previous scores. Uh, it feels like something from a Snyderverse, it feels like, you know, there's there's a weight to it that there wasn't before. So uh, I'll give the point to uh, Snyder on this one, uh, I think, in terms of the superior score here with junkie. So,
0: Holkenborg.
1: Hawkenborg. Uh, let's go a little bit into now the differences of the scenes because the next stuff in the Snyder cut is Bruce going to recruit Arthur Curry. So uh, we see a lot more of Bruce's journey to get to Arthur in the Snyder cut than we ever did in the theatrical cut. In fact, Arthur brings up that Bruce said that he climbed the mountain and the villagers is like, that's impossible. Uh, implying that it's like a rough, impossible journey that Bruce went on just to get to Aquaman, similar to what uh, Christian Bale did in Batman Begins to Get to Ra's al Ghul. So that was a really cool touch that uh, Whedon cut. Uh, instead, Whedon had uh, shots of a cartoon drawing on the wall of Aquaman with three mother boxes uh, to continue this you know, needless subplot of Bruce trying to figure out the mystery of the three mother boxes. Uh, so I think that was a downgrade. In the Snyder Cut the head villager is the one who yells at Bruce for being condescending to them about you know this magical man of the sea and he's the one who tells Bruce to get out and Aquaman uh, when Bruce refuses to do it Aquaman goes up and says he said to get out now in the Whedon Cut this doesn't happen at all Aquaman himself goes up to Bruce and tries to kick him out I personally think the Snyder Cut in that you know sort of subtlety, in that there's a subtlety to it where Aquaman is sort of defending the village by trying to kick Bruce out whereas in the weedin cut it just seems like he's he's angry Jason Momoa uh when <laughs> in when Aquaman asks Bruce to get out Bruce responds back in Icelandic indicating that he's known the language the entire time uh, and he does not really need Arthur to translate it for him which is kind of cool in the weedin version he has a joke where he's like can you at least point me to Atlantis uh in both versions, Arthur Good grabs one. Bruce. Yeah, <laughs> Arthur grabs and shoves Bruce against the wall. Uh, and in the Snyder cut, Bruce pulls out all the money and cash to give to the villagers, and that's what causes Arthur to relent. Again, tying into the fact that Arthur is trying to protect this village. In the Whedon cut, Arthur only relents when Bruce says his name, Arthur Curry. Uh, Again, very different in terms of characters, kind of different in terms of characterization. Again, similar scene, but uh, I think there's a little bit more subtlety to how Aquaman is portrayed here. Uh, In the 2017 cut, Bruce jokes, I hear you talk to fish, which is not in the Snyder cut. However, I can't credit Whedon for that one we know that was actually shot by Snyder because that was in the 2016 Comic-Con trailer before right. Whedon was ever brought on. That's right, that, yeah. That was a joke forced in by the overseers of DC Entertainment, Jeff Johns and John Berg. And you can clearly see what Snyder thought about that addition in the fact that it is gone <laughs> from his cut. So, uh, so that is, those are the main differences of the recruiting Aquaman scene. Uh, any thoughts on this or anything that you noticed that I might have not have said, Dustin?
3: Um, well, I think the thing, like, like just listening to you talk, like, yeah. I feel like um, you're saying that the scene is more about Aquaman, but for me, I felt like it was more about Batman, because it shows that detective side, like, when he hands the money, I think it's, it's you know, he's putting him down less because it's about him taking care of the village, but he comes to the realization that, like, Batman already knows who he is. You know what I mean, um, and I think okay. all along, like Batman, like already knew who he was, and yeah. he's just like kind of like waiting for him to like come to terms with it himself, or whatever, or, or reveal himself, and not necessarily force it. But um, I think there was a lot of, you know, just like he knew the language, he was playing dumb because he he wanted to see how much mm-hmm. they would give up before he like revealed that information himself. Um, And then even this moment that like he knows Aquaman is Aquaman and he's like, you need to get out. And he's like, no. And this dude with super strength is just going to slam him up against the wall. And he's just like, I'm ready to take it, you know. And, you know, so there's like all these little, like, I think character moments for Batman just as much as um, Aquaman. And then the, um, you know, the taking the talk to fish, I hear you talk to fish line out. You know i think aquaman for years has just been like this running comedic joke right and now you're showing like aquaman is badass and to put that joke in just like demeans him so i think it's smart to kind of like take that out um not to mention the fact that you know people joke about it but that's a badass power right (laughs) Right. right. (laughs) (laughs) um but i think just as much as it served aquaman it served batman as well
1: nice zach
5: I agree a lot with Dustin. I like this cut better, not only because they lose the comedic line, uh, but also because it, there is a lot more subtlety. Uh, you know, Aquaman, Aquaman doesn't reveal himself immediately. Like Bruce isn't communicating with him. This other man is like basically speaking for him, and I like that. It's not just like he's so brash as to come out and immediately like confront you know Bruce, and and I do like that Bruce played dumb. I think that that's something that you know we we spoke about it but maybe we wanted to see more in Batman versus Superman whenever he was in the Bruce Wayne persona at least a public persona but yes I always like it when he plays dumb and uh, <laughs> him showing that he knows the language it's like you know he mm-hmm. is smarter than everyone expects he's you know just as right. smarter uh, smarter than Lex Luthor and he I like seeing that more so yeah, that, the scene that was uh, given to us with the Snyder Cut was, you know, leaps and bounds ahead of uh, Justice League. And it really was just some subtle changes.
3: Mm-hmm. I, I love, love your shoes. Shoes? <laughs> shoes? Yes. It's <laughs> uh, what he says to Mercy shoes.
2: in uh, Batman vs. Superman. Down. Oh, oh, yes. oh <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Right. Um, so, uh, I, I saw Justice League just the one time in the theater. So mm-hmm. I don't remember all the ins and outs, but from what I can remember, it felt more tense overall. The 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 Snyder version. In did. the Snyder version, yeah. Snyder version that's just felt more tense, I I think. Well and he's not joking about Atlantis. Like not jo- yeah, yeah. He took out the jokes that deflate it too, so so that's good. And um I think, you know, people like shit on Momoa sometimes for not having acting ability, but I don't know. I think he's good enough for what he does, and like on top of acting ability, there's something called screen presence, and mm. I think that really shows in this. And it just looks like he could eat Bruce Wayne alive. That's right. the that's the impression I get. He's a f- he's you don't fear any f- you don't feel any fear from him whatsoever. He's like, who the fuck is this guy who walks into my fucking village? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Momoa really exudes badassness through and through. So. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, definitely Snyder again for sure. Yeah.
1: yeah, of course, of course. Uh, I agree. I think that this is. I, I definitely agree with, with Dustin. I was noticing the Aquaman stuff, but the character stuff for for Bruce as well is uh very well laid out. There's something about Jason Momoa's eyes as well. Uh, in this scene specifically, that you know you can tell that there's like this hidden rage, there. And you know you know Bruce knows that it's him because he saw the footage of him in Batman vs Superman as well. Uh, but just the idea it's almost like he, it's almost kind of a respect thing of just like I'm not gonna just out you in front of everyone I'm gonna going to see if you know he's almost kind of testing him uh, in a way sort of thing and, and even though he's being stared down by this huge dude Bruce doesn't relent uh, really I mean even when he's thrown against the wall Affleck doesn't isn't just like oh shit he's just kind of like he just braces himself against it pulls out the, the money he's still kind of in control both men are kind of still in control in a way there's nobody who's really uh, you know Shown in a unflattering light in the scene, so uh, again, point goes to Snyder.
0: Before we move on, just one thing more about this scene. Mm-hmm. And this is with every hero he introduces with Snyder. Maybe this is in the other one too. I can't remember, but correct me if I'm wrong. But he he's take, he seems to take Snyder seems to take care to show that these guys are already helping people. You mm-hmm. know, yeah, he's yeah. helping this villagers. Flash is helping Iris. Uh, and so on you know cyborg with the atm yeah every introduction like they're already doing heroic shit Mm -hmm. and um i guess you see it first with aquaman which is which is cool so
1: yeah yeah there was definitely there was definitely a sense of that even from the first trailer of justice league where he's just like you know he brings fish to the villagers right that type of stuff so uh that was awesome uh moving on to the next part with aquaman before we get to the break which is the scene outside leading to dustin's favorite song with the Icelandic (laughs) people singing uh can't get enough Bruce and Arthur talk outside these are also slightly different in terms of dialogue the Whedon version is a little bit more about the plot in terms of Bruce talking about like tell me about the three mother boxes and Arthur mentioning um you know not he didn't really want to talk to him about it Bruce talks about how you know it's the end of the world and Aquaman says quote I don't mind if the oceans rise Uh, and Bruce is like what if they boil essentially (laughs) it seems inconsistent that Aquaman just doesn't care that the world might get flooded uh, in the future in the Whedon version as opposed to the the Snyder cut is more about Aquaman's arc in how he you know he yells at Bruce I don't owe anyone anything it's more about Aquaman's character and where he is where he doesn't want to be attached to anyone he's here to help out the village but it doesn't seem like he you know really is friends with people there he just kind of looks out for them uh, that type of thing. Uh, Aquaman goes into the water differently in both cuts. Uh, he kind of goes into the water in between cuts in the Snyder cut, so you don't actually see him go in, uh, as opposed to the Whedon cut, where uh, according to uh, one of our one of our friends at Superhouse said that he goes back in like a dolphin <laughs> in the Whedon cut, where he just sort of He's leaps back. He's flipper. <laughs> He's flipping in, uh, <laughs> and then of course Snyder, the Snyder cut has the beat with the villagers singing. Obviously, this was not in the Whedon cut, and I have a feeling if Snyder had released this in 2017 that might have been one of the first things to go simply because it's not it's one of those things that's a nice touch if you you know if you're like andrew and me and feel like that was kind of a nice like religious type of thing but it's ultimately superfluous to you know aquaman's character and the plot so anyway those are the differences in terms of this outside scene dustin i have a feeling i know what you're going to say about this but (laughs) 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 on.
3: And I mean, uh, I won't keep talking about the music, but I did feel like there was something dramatically different about like Bruce turning and then turning back. And then it was just dark, still water. And it communicated like something very like deep like he was in a, a a completely different world that is disconnected from this world um mm-hmm. and maybe i'm getting a lot from just like that one shot but um something about just like that very black still water made me feel like it was extremely deep and there was a different world that we didn't have access to so i, I felt like that was very different than jumping back like flipper all right
6: <laughs> <laughs> <Yes. laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs>
1: Zach, any defense for Flipper? No. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't think I so. I liked it, yeah.
5: I liked the scene. I thought it was great. There is there is one thing. Uh, whenever it shows them walking towards the water, Aquaman is already having this conversation with Bruce, and he's like, so you dress up like a bat. Uh, yeah. Now, I can't remember. Did Bruce reveal himself when he was in the ca- in the little place, or is, is that just kind of off screen where he's like, you know, I'm putting it's together screen, this team. Yeah. I'm Batman. So he's just like, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I get that yeah, now. Okay. Yeah. Wanted to make sure I wasn't missing something, but uh <laughs> yeah, I was I, I like everything about it. I even didn't mind the singing. I just I kind of knew like going into this as if this was gonna be a four hour movie. So I was just like, all right, I'm just gonna like watch every single bit of this. So
0: I wasn't <laughs> yeah, thinking about
5: pacing. In. I was like, it's taking his time.
1: <laughs> Andrew
0: oh man i mean yeah i liked it i think that well i, I like to talk about the aquaman's arc you said that this kind of reveals we're starting to get an aquaman's arc which yeah I, I
1: think i figured it out as i was revisiting but yeah keep going
0: which is cool because and with four hours you have enough time to have like seven people's arcs or whatever well technically it's probably what five maybe um we'll get into yeah. that in a minute i guess but mm-hmm. but um it's not that it's fucking shakespeare but at least it's there
3: <laughs> Aquaman has an arc, it makes yeah. fucking
0: sense, he's a child of two worlds, and like, he's being pulled from this way and this way, and he's, that makes him even more independent, and he doesn't want to fucking join his fucking team, especially in the beginning, so,
6: mm-hmm.
0: all, to me, all that checks out, I mean, yeah. it's a point to Snyder once again, y'all, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Antarío and Wheel yeah. Beal, yes, yeah, yes.
1: Uh, so I, I think, yeah, no. This is definitely, a, I. What I liked about the the Icelandic women singing is what Andrew was talking about earlier of like, this guy is like a god to them. He's Poseidon to them, and they like they worship him. Like, there's a tweet going around about that woman who sniffs Aquaman's sweater as, like, the horniest woman on the planet. <laughs> yeah, but <no. laughs> I interpreted that differently. I didn't think that she had the hots for him so much as just, like, this is the closeness I have to greatness. This is the closeness I have to God, in a way. It's kind of like how we, you know, if if you're part in, in certain churches when you drink, you know, it's like the blood of Christ and here's the body of Christ yeah. that you eat. Like, that type of stuff. It's it's a similar idea uh, that you go here. So, like, I, I really like that because of the fact that it's um, – you know, these are in this world they, they are the new gods. Not the not the literal new gods, like uh <laughs> dark side, but they are the new gods of, of Earth, uh, in a way, even if we know them as people, not as gods. So I like that aspect. Um, some people might have been surprised that Aquaman just kind of says, you know, dressed like a bat <laughs> to Bruce in front of everybody and kinda outs him as Batman. But I mean, this is an Icelandic village in the middle of nowhere and I don't think they know what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> so I'm kinda willing to let that slide. The only thing that kind of bumped me is how Bruce talks about Superman and he said, quote, he believed we were stronger together. And I was just like, dude, you had like one conversation with Superman and I don't think that was <laughs> revealed. If you gave me like maybe right. 10 more right. minutes of them teaming up in Batman versus Superman, I would, I would buy this bond a little more. Uh, I wish. But anyway... Points to Your mother's name
6: not
3: Martha. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you know, would is feel <laughs> I would, Yeah, I would. Your mother's so. Nicole Kidman. So,
0: <laughs>
1: in another lifetime, that was my girlfriend, says Batman. So, <laughs> uh, so that is Snyder four, we didn't one, just for the Gotham scene. So, anyway, when we come back from the break, we're going to cover the rest of uh, Chapter one. Don't count on it, Batman. So see you soon.
4: We're the Spirit Hunters, and we're a show that treats Hunter Hunter and Yu Hakusho's author as the center of the universe. Some weeks we do linguistic
5: analysis. So the Chinese meaning of this character is to smelt or refine. But so the changed meaning in Japanese it
3: means to temper. Other times we get absolutely smashed.
4: So we take one shot every time. Yusuke uses the ray gun.
3: One hour later. This is the least coherent episode. Go Oh Sarah, tr- I think your apartment is haunted. <laughs> <laughs> I think <you're>
4: Wait, tr- <laughs> can find out more about the Spirit Hunters right here on the Greenlit Podcast Network.
0: What do you think of my suit, Bruce? First of all, I always knew you were gonna come
1: back at some point. Welcome back to the land of the living. Thanks. Second of all, it looks like you're kind of cramping my style, Clark.
0: Cramping your style? I was the first guy with a cape and a suit and did shit around a city and whatnot, saving people.
1: Well, yes, but also I improved it because, let's face it, you don't actually need the cape. I need the cape, because if I don't have the cape, then everyone thinks that I'm a cat.
0: I need the black suit to absorb the sun's rays more. I'm recovering.
1: I understand that, but doesn't have to be black.
0: It has to be black because it's the 90s and it's cool. And look at these shimmering locks.
1: Yes, everybody likes your new hairstyle, Clark. But back to the suit. I think that, I don't know about you, but I don't think it really screams Superman. The dark costume is kind of my thing.
0: It's a new era for me. You'll just have to get used to it, Bats. I'm sorry, I mean- but I'm... This is a a black suit from here on out.
1: If it's all about absorbing the sun's rays, wouldn't it make more sense for you to wear an orange suit? Something that reflects the sun more?
0: Orange reminds me of Sunny D. Because this is the 90s. I don't want to be thought of as the Sunny D man. That's lame! No, 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 no. Black suit, mullet, these sweet gauntlets. I mean, shit. I swear now, it's the 90s, Bruce. Just get used to it.
1: Okay, I think I understand what's going on here. Too many people have criticized you for being a pure boy scout, and now it's your turn to show that you have edge. I understand that.
0: I have my edge badge now. Being this sweet silver crest. (laughs) It's
1: just, Clark, I have a feeling this is just a phase. Like, maybe in, I don't know. A few months time you're going to be back with the short hair because you're not going to like the long hair.
0: That will never happen. And
1: you'll be back in the red cape.
0: I will be an edgelord forever, Bruce.
1: You see, real edgelords won't talk like that.
0: (laughs) What are you talking about? Real edgelords talk like this, have mullets like this, and have my general soup swagger as it were. I've even had some of the Donner Chronic. Because this is the 90s, Bruce. Okay, we're getting somewhere. The crypto-kush, as it were. Yes, I understand what you mean. That devil's lettuce. That's where I got the idea for the mullet. I got high as shit. Okay, well, maybe you have changed since you come back from the dead. It's about edge, Bruce. All the kids are doing it. Have you seen the Tamagotchis? Am I a few years early? It's 92. You might be a few years early on that. Have you seen the Genesis? Sega does what Nintendon't. do Sega's got edge.
1: Clark, I think everything you're talking about is probably gonna end up getting outdated at some point, but- No way. You know, you can just figure it out for yourself, and I'll just say that I told you so.
0: We'll have to see about that, Bruce. Cut to one week later. <sighs> it pains me to say this, Bruce, but-
1: You're back in the red and blue suit again. I don't even have to look up from the back computer. You were right. I was wrong. I don't know if you're fully convinced to come back to the classic suit. In a week's time, you're going to try to do something new. Maybe you'll be back all blue and electric.
0: (laughs) That's stupid, Bruce. That'll never happen. All right, everybody. If you like that sketch right there, we have that, plus news, plus we're bringing back some opinion pieces and uh, review-type stuff and all kinds of stuff in our $5 tier on Patreon. So just go to patreon.com slash superhero stuff. Pod. and if you become part of the five dollar tier you can see these new bonus episodes basically consider it super house dlc i couldn't be away from my family that long i love my family and
1: welcome back and we're going to cover the rest of chapter one don't count on it batman coming from uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. So we stopped with the Icelandic women singing and the horniest woman in the planet sniffing Aquaman sweater <laughs> to take it home for obvious reasons. But next, we're going to go to some of the scenes that uh, we, there was one scene that we hadn't seen before that's coming up. But uh, first off, we see Martha Kent visiting Clark's grave, which was in the and cut, just uh, cut a little differently in the uh, opening title sequence. Uh, But we then get a scene we hadn't seen before where Bruce sort of uh, meets up with Alfred and says, you know, basically that he met Aquaman and he said no. And Alfred talks about, you know, perhaps a man who spends his life brooding in a cave is the wrong recruiter. So uh, an apt uh, sentiment, though, probably would have been cut, honestly, in the 2017 (laughs) version because the plane scene kind of uh, ends up filling more of that in. But uh, we do get into a nice scene that I was not expecting which is uh, Lois Lane in mourning and doing her ritual of getting coffee and going to the Superman memorial. It's a nice, simple scene, establishes her grief well, plants this routine that she has that pays off later when Superman gets resurrected. Uh, Quick tidbits, we get a couple cameos here. One of them is Zack Snyder himself. So if you watch -watch rewatch the scene where she leaves the coffee house, she sets down the coffee so that she opens her umbrella. In the background, you see Zack Snyder in the coffee house. So that's his own little Hitchcock cameo in there, uh, which is cool. And then when she brings the coffee to the cop outside, that cop should be familiar to fans of the Christopher Reeve uh, Superman movies. That is Mark McClure, who played Jimmy Olsen in the uh, Superman movies, as well as in the 80s Supergirl movie as uh, the cop supervising the memorial of Superman, which makes a lot of sense that you would cast him for that. Uh, When Whedon took over... They cut his part, but they gave him a new cameo in the Whedon cut where he's one of the guards at uh, the place where Henry Allen is in prison, which, if you think about it, does, makes no sense because Mark McClure has no connection whatsoever to the Flash. He has a connection to Superman, so uh, his cameo is restored in, the Justice, in Zack Snyder's Justice League, and we get to see Lois Lane in Mourning. Uh, in the Whedon version, this was kind of truncated, but we got something a little different that I wanted to propose as as something that's that's explored more in the Whedon cut than in the Snyder cut. Actually, uh, in his version, there's an opening titles with a song everybody knows by Sigrid. Secret. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's a cover of a Leonard Cohen song, uh, and it shows the world without Superman in a way. So it's not just Martha and Lois in the morning, but you see many. Flags of the Superman, the Black Superman symbol, all over the world. People laying flowers in front of the memorial. Uh, These shots were not in Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, More shots of crimes on the streets. Uh, This is also most famous for the shot of the homeless man with the cardboard sign that said "I tried," which uh, a lot of people sort of tied into, uh, you know, the reshoots that were going on. Uh, but anyway, this is a very different. I would say that the Snyder cut is more about the individual characters in Mourning of Superman, whereas the Whedon cut kind of emphasized more about the entire world in Mourning. So what do you
3: guys sort of think about that, starting off Dustin? Um, well, I think the big thing that like kind of like stuck out to me about that scene was this idea that um, it was very good storytelling in terms of explaining – why lois lane is there Mm -hmm. when superman shows back up because she's going like every day right versus the Mm -hmm. weeding cut where it's like let's bring the big guns and like (laughs) got her right um and um so i thought it was like good in terms of we're establishing like a routine she's going there every day um you know when superman comes back it's this idea of like he kind of knows who he is but he doesn't And the first place he's going is the last place that he was alive, you know? So there's like all these things that kind of like match up. So I thought it was a very good kind of like storytelling, you know, moment uh, to explain like how this is going to happen and not just be like a coincidence, you know? Um, And I I think it's also more in line with like um, this idea of, you know, like everybody mourning Superman. Um, like it, I think back about Man of Steel and that's that shot where he's like coming down and everybody's like reaching up to him, like he's this god or whatever, and like the impact that he has like on everybody. Um, so I think, you know, that kind of makes sense to, you know, um Draw this idea that like everybody's mourning versus maybe just Lois Lane. So, like, if Whedon's doing that, that kind of like makes sense to tie it to, you know, um, other versions uh, or earlier examples of uh, how Superman affected people. Um, and then I, I think you mentioned, did you, you say something about Flash's scene being put back in there? I'm sorry. Like, I thought.
1: Oh, uh, you- basically, I was saying that the actor who played Jimmy Olsen in the Christopher Reeve movies has different cameos. In, in the cut, so in this one, he's the cop who is supervising the memorial. Yeah, you know, yeah, he's the yeah, one that Lewis yeah. gives the coffee to. He wasn't playing that cop in the Weedon cut. In the Weedon cut, he was part of the scenes where Flash visits his dad in prison. Oh, and okay. I was just saying, oh, like, that okay. doesn't really make sense because you're basically like he has no connection. He's from the Superman yeah. movie, he's not from the Flash TV show, right? Oh, okay. So okay, yeah. I was saying, this yeah. is a better, way better cameo.
3: Yeah, yeah. But overall, I thought it was just, it was better storytelling in terms of, like, we're setting up this moment that's going to happen and it makes more Mm -hmm. sense, like, at the end instead of, like, bringing the big guns. Right, right.
5: Zach? Yeah, I definitely like the Snyder Snyder version better. I feel like the Whedon cut version was a little heavy-handed as far as the way it shows, like, oh, crime is just spite and everybody's in mourning because I still feel like I just think it's such a big turnaround in Batman versus Superman because you have all these people that are, uh, you know, out there wearing like anti-Superman outfits and memorabilia. And Mm -hmm. they're all just bitching about him the whole movie. And then all of a sudden there's a great big funeral for Superman and everybody loves him. But now they're in mourning because he's gone. It just feels like a really big turnaround for me. Uh, So I like it better that it focuses just on, you know, Lois's routine and her mourning. I mean, you can get the sense that there's, like, hopelessness in the world without kind of having this montage of, you know, mm-hmm. negativity. Although I do like that song. It just, I, I didn't miss that, um, that combination of scenes. Uh, I did have a question. Did, did they ever explain the time frame? Uh, how long has it been since Superman died?
1: Uh, long enough for Ben Affleck to grow a beard. Okay, so <laughs> maybe like two weeks.
5: Three hours. Probably, Because <laughs> <laughs> all I can think is like, is that statue still broken? Like, haven't they yeah. tried to put yeah, it back no. together yet?
1: I, I would say it's probably within a couple weeks or so, if you think about it. Because Bruce pretty much is just like, help me find the others like you at the funeral. And then it goes off. And then presumably he just goes to Iceland at that point. Right. Uh, immediately afterwards. And um, it's also... Yeah, it, it it probably isn't like a year or anything. It's probably a yeah. month at the very most, I would say. Especially given some of the other stuff that we'll dive into.
5: Okay, that makes sense then. That it's still almost like treated like a, a crime scene. You get the tape up, and mm. th- that feels more realistic to me. And that also makes me feel like, yeah, that we don't need this montage of like the world in mourning because, I mean, by my God, it's just been a couple of weeks, like. Yeah, are things just really gone down the toilet that quickly so i like better that i like it better that it's just focusing on lois because you know we should be uh seeing how she's dealing with his loss more than you know strangers on the street
1: yeah andrew
0: snyder i mean just (laughs) keep keep it personal man keep it personal we don't need the whole like this whole like I mean it's I understand the reason behind it but it's still just from a filmmaking perspective from a storytelling perspective you want to just see the world through Lois's eyes in this scene then just see the just see images mean, of the world I guess like right. the fact that she's going here every day I mean there's something she's definitely in the morning process you know so um, and she's also helping people with coffee, so she's doing a little mini heroic right. thing also <laughs> in, her, in her own right. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean it's it's definitely better, I think. Yeah, yeah.
1: I there is, as I said, an emotional weight, and I think this is one of the first big instances where I can pinpoint how, where it's like, as you said, it's so personal. And it's such a small, it's so small and personal in scale compared to the the everybody knows sequence that Whedon was doing and almost felt like Whedon was trying to do his equivalent to the Watchmen opening that Snyder did, which is like one of the best parts of that movie where he kind of has this huge montage next to the Bob Dylan song, but it's just, it just pales in comparison compared to that Watchmen version. And that sequence also compares, pales in comparison to what the equivalent is in this movie where it's about Lois and mourning because it's just like you, you feel for her uh, in a way and maybe even more so than you had in the previous movies because of this loss uh, that she's been through. Like, that's that's completely relatable to go through the routines or have some sort of routine just to be close to the someone you loved, whether it's through mourning or through a breakup or any of those types of things. So, like, that's absolutely, you know, you feel for her and all that. And that's the emotional weight I was talking about. So uh, in terms of whether or not it's consistent with uh, the word being in mourning of Superman, I kind of agree with Zach where I'm just like, you know, the previous movie sort of just made it like he was a controversial figure So, this is one of the many instances where the Justice League cut sort of felt like a sequel to some Batman and Superman movies we hadn't seen, (laughs) where Superman was a little (laughs) bit more traditional, and Batman and Superman had, you know, this bromance, uh, as opposed to this one, which is clearly, you know, a sequel to what we had seen before. So, to, to me, it feels more consistent to have Lois in mourning, and you don't really need to see a lot of the world in mourning over Superman, because it's just... We have all these other characters to get to, you know? And Superman's gonna come back anyway. So, absolutely. The point goes to Snyder. We got Snyder five. Poor Whedon, or not so poor Whedon, gets one so far in this episode. Uh, The next sequence is the big Wonder Woman sequence, which is her saving the kids in London. Uh, This was in the Whedon cut, but it was very, you know, it was very edited in there. So, you could tell because a lot of the more violent or darker. Parts were cut from it. So in the Snyder cut, the head terrorist talks to the cops and says, "You know, you'll have a lot of dead kids on your hands." That definitely was not in the Whedon cut. (laughs) Uh, uh, Whedon has different dialogue on what motivates the terrorists, though, and that I thought was the most interesting when I watched the two scenes back to back. Uh, When Diana interrogates the one terrorist uh, in the Snyder cut, he says that they quote want to turn back the clock of Europe a thousand years, and to which she's just like boring. In the Whedon cut, though he says we know that sin has brought on this plague of aliens which seems like it's more of a reaction to the events of man of steel and batman versus superman uh so i thought that was an interesting uh difference the fight sequence itself is more violent and intense in the original snyder version she literally throws a guy at the hostages and then catches him (laughs) and then throws him back you see blood uh or their brains on the walls as she's thrown them um, we also get an amazing shot of Wonder Woman leaping up to throw the bomb as it explodes, whereas in the Weedon cut, she literally just throws it up and it explodes in the air, and it's very <laughs> underwhelming. Uh, we have a more intense version of the terrorist trying to shoot the kids with them you know, screaming as he just first threatens them with the handgun and then goes for the machine gun. Uh, the dialogue is a little different. In the Snyder version, he says, I don't believe it, and she says, believe it. And then when he reloads the gun, she uses the gauntlets on him to basically you know, end his life. In the Whedon version, he says, I don't believe you. What are you? And she says, I'm a believer. Which, if you think about it, makes no sense because what is she a believer in? Herself? In hope? (laughs) Humanity, bro. And she immediately uses the gauntlets on him at that point. So I would argue Whedon's version is she's actually more violent because she just flat-out kills the dude, whereas in the Snyder version, she only does it after he's about to reload the gun to try to kill her and the kids. Uh, And then, of course, we have this little... We do have this little moment afterwards where, uh, you know, the the girl's like, can I be like you someday? And she says, you can be anything you want to be. That sort of thing. thing. Sort of Wonder Woman inspiring, you know, Uh, not just children, but specifically young girls. So. Uh, the score, as I mentioned before, is different. Danny Elfman kind of had a loud, brassy version of the Wonder Woman version, whereas Tom Wolkenberg has this Ancient Lamentation play, which keeps saying, if you watch it with subtitles, that's what it says all the time. And every single time you see somebody from the Mascara, it plays, there's a joke online where it's just like, you know, Wonder Woman eats a snack, Ancient Lamentation plays. <laughs> uh, which is kind of how it is, but it was kind of an evolution of the, of the Wonder Woman music from Batman versus Superman and the Wonder Woman movies. So uh, what did you guys think of the sort of more violent version of this Wonder Woman sequence, starting with Dustin?
3: So uh, my response is probably going to be completely different and unexpected than anybody else, but I teach art history at a college level, and um, part of what I cover is the Hawkeye Initiative, where they actually take um, female... Uh, they take comic book covers with female characters Mm -hmm. and they put males in the same pose to highlight sexual objectification Mm -hmm. now for me the first time i watched the josh whedon cut i was just like blown away because that fight scene was shot. so we got tons of upskirt shots of wonder woman and that was the first thing that stood out to me when i saw it in the theater i was like this is ridiculous because we came off a of wonder woman that was right. awesome
6: mm-hmm.
3: and you go into justice league and i'm like we're creatively shooting everything so we can see a her skirt mm-hmm. and with the snyder cut none of that was in there like it was all just like the action scene and i was like thank you right so Um, you know, the Amazons, um, I think are still revealing more in the Snyder cut than versus like the Wonder Woman movie, but it Mm -hmm. may also be done in a way to like make sense because they're like supposed to be like, like Brookins is like one of the crossfitters that's like holding up the. The, the wall or whatever but um so they want to show that they're strong but just the objectification of women right like there's a functional purpose for Snyder versus Josh whedon it's just objectifying women mm-hmm. um and like for me that was the thing that I was like looking for because when I saw it in the theater I was like this is ridiculous and then when I watched the Snyder cut I was like okay they took those out so mm-hmm. um so that's probably a little bit different um and the other no, thing well, I really thank you for
1: bringing that up. It, too, yeah
0: yeah.
3: Yeah. The other thing that um, I really liked, though, was her shooting out because a lot of the criticism of the last Wonder Woman movie was like, well, why can she fly? Right. And she Mm -hmm. couldn't fly later on. And like for me, I interpret it as that like she this is possibly maybe her flying when she went straight up and took the bomb out. Yeah so Mm -hmm. i thought that kind of like tied it in and like she's just choosing to fly or not to fly but she's perfectly capable so i thought that was a great tie-in. but overall like just like for functional purposes it was much better right um Mm -hmm. and we're not um solely focused on objectifying wonder woman so definitely zach snyder
1: Mm -hmm. yeah thank you for bringing that up dustin zach not
3: only so even the little girl scene, like you can be whatever you want, right? Yeah, like yeah, empowering women, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like the whole thing's empowering women, right? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'll yeah. stop. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Zach. Zach said it was badass.
5: Yeah, that scene was badass. I honestly couldn't remember much of what I had seen in the Justice League because I was like, "What did he cut?" Because this was so good. I just. My favorite thing, I guess, was whenever she did uh, after she interrogated the one terrorist when she busted in there, she was just like, duh, 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 and it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. all the bullets are bouncing off while she was running at the same time. I was like, whoa! I, was, I don't know <laughs> something about that. It it made up for Wonder Woman '84 in Spades. Just that <laughs> first scene, yeah. I was like, God, that is cool. So yeah, that that whole scene was just so much better. It was great to get a good action scene. Um, You know, after we had gotten everything else so far in the movie. Um, Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I was totally fine with her just uh, blowing that guy up. I don't really (laughs) know what happened to him. Maybe he's just laying on the floor unconscious and his hat blew out the window. But, yeah, I was like, it just was so good. And I I like that there are some darker, more dangerous elements. Like you said, the the terrorists saying, like, you're going to have a lot of dead kids on your hands. That's like... Uh, that raises the stakes that makes it seem like this is a more dangerous uh experience that's happening and i think that's important in movies like this where we don't just believe everything is safe and gonna end well uh but yeah i think that was such a uh, an improvement over the original and yeah i also like the scene with a little girl as well because uh yeah i don't remember that from the original cut at all like i said i've only seen it it once in the theater, and <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I, I do remember the part about her just throwing it up in the air though, through the ceiling. Yeah. So I, when I saw this part, I was like, "Man, did she jump up through the uh, through the ceiling?" In the other cut, but uh, nope. yeah, it was nope. great. Yeah, Andrew.
0: Yeah, it's it's better in every way. Once again, um, I think she did like a super jump, is what how I interpreted it. I don't know if that was really flying at that point. I, they leave it ambiguous, I think, because. Mm-hmm. Now they have the continuity with, with one woman 84, so um, which is fine. She' can super jump. That's cool, whatever. Uh, and there might be a slight mini point to Whedon. I do kind of like that line, a from the gang, about the, the sin in the world or whatever. What was that again?
1: Uh, the idea that uh, quote the sin has brought on this plague of aliens so they're a reaction to the events of the previous movies. See that we didn't cut funny enough. Yeah,
0: that ties it in better with the overall plot we're dealing with. Like bringing, mm-hmm. we're gonna bring back Europe a thousand years. That just seems so like out of left field. It felt more tense too. It felt just again like no one can really argue that Snyder is isn't good at action. Like even All his right. haters, like that's one of his best qualities right so uh this it was awesome i mean yeah all the 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 moves with the gauntlets and everything and with the girl at the end yeah i mean it was uh other than the gang line i i think it was better in every way
6: yeah
1: i agree with that with the fact that there's a bit of a tie-in because it's kind of a little superfluous to the rest of the the story but it also kind of like what zach is saying like this is also the first action sequence of the whole movie, uh, it, because where it's gonna, yeah, I mean the next sequence is the mascara, but you know it's still nice to introduce or reintroduce Wonder Woman at this point. Uh, I do think I also agree this whole sequence is better <laughs> than all of Wonder Woman 1984. Um, let's see a few points in terms of tenseness. Uh, absolutely, it's it's so much more like this is the first one is just like oh it's a little nice like Wonder Woman saves the day sort of thing, and the Snyder cut like you get. It's a feeling of, like, if Wonder Woman didn't show up, then this would have been, like, a mass shooting type of thing when you see her <laughs> right. threatening the right. kids yeah. and everything. You feel that and everything, and that's that makes it even better to root for her. One thing I do want to bring up is, is uh, there was criticism online about how she killed the dude and then comforted the children afterwards, and they felt some people said that that was uh, kind of a whiplash. And uh, I disagree, because if you're a kid and you're about to die – in some sort of mass shooting type of thing, and then some superhero came in, saved your life, and killed that person who was about to kill you, you'd be indebted to them. You would look at them with gratitude and admiration, too. And I can't help but think that if you replace the characters, and this was Aquaman saving a boy of the same ethnicity, and doing the same thing, killing the dude, nobody would say anything. I think part of this is just because it's Wonder Woman, and people aren't used to seeing... just aren't used to seeing women be able to... Kill a motherfucker and then comfort a child right afterwards.
0: They that's don't all have the no kill rule either. Wonder Woman doesn't have that fucking rule. Aquaman doesn't yeah. either. You
1: know? Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying that. I, I understand think, your point as well,
0: though. Yeah. I, I feel I, like
1: people are. I feel like there's a controversy because it's Wonder Woman, not because uh, of heroism or anything like that. And I think that's that's a shame because, as I said, if you reverse the roles, I don't think anybody would have. You know, Jason Momoa saves another. Uh, you know, another like a Polynesian kid. Or something people just be like yeah like represent polynesians they wouldn't say anything about like oh you just killed by but because it's a wonder woman because it's a female trying to represent you know and comforting uh, a young girl afterwards i think they're like oh she should be better i'm just like no bullshit like she can also be badass and kill people you just don't like it because it goes against your own you know ideas of what they should be also keep in mind the majority of the people i've seen who uh, criticized that were men not women so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> goes right to show. right, right, right. Um, maybe I'm wrong on that
3: <laughs> and she literally is like from a race of like warrior females who like train yeah. their whole life to like kill
1: <laughs> yeah like yeah, if this would be yeah. somebody like also if you're in that situation you know of course, Wonder Woman's going to do that. The guy was about to shoot a whole bunch of other kids and He's everything. About
0: to d- mass murder children. It's you know, yeah. this is a pretty good reason, it's right? Perfectly here. Yeah. excusable. <laughs> if anything, the Whedon
1: cut is more egregious because she just flat out does it without him, you know, uh, being about to do anything, and it cuts out the part where she actually empowers the young girl. So you know, so much right. for a self self proclaimed woke bay feminist, Joss Whedon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> go on. Uh, maybe I'm jumping ahead, but I want to go off what the Dustin said too about the yeah. the representation of of in the in the different versions. Well, actually I want to talk yeah. about the Amazons real quick. I feel like th- because in those scenes it's it's just showing how fucking ripped they are. It's the same as seeing it in 300, I think, in a right. sense. Right. I
1: did have a thing on this as well. I'll okay.
0: Maybe I'm skipping ahead, but it's it's like it's showing muscle, right? So it's obviously going to be sexual. If it's guy or girl, but I do think it's supposed to. Sh- the- again, we're all dudes here. Correct us, <laughs> for, correct us yeah, for in the comments. guys talking about women's issues. Yeah, correct us in the comments <laughs> if we're wrong about this. But the way I'm reading it, as a- as a cis white male, is <laughs> is it's a they showing how fucking strong they are. When you know what I mean? Like they're mm-hmm. fucking badass in every fucking scene. When you see like some you know mid drift, especially when they're doing the hammer with fucking closing the door and shit. But, I mean, you know, I don't know. Snyder had fucking 300 before this, too, where he's showing off dudes. It's just, I don't know, he just likes to show off strength, you know what I mean? And we don't see that that much with women anyway, so I think that there was... I don't know. There was some backlash against this kind of thing, and there they, was. I'm playing a bit of devil's advocate here. I think there was. This is
1: one of those situations where I'm just like, I, I think the people involved can speak better than I can uh, on those. Yeah, and one yeah. of the people involved was one of the uh, actresses who was one of the Amazons. Uh, I was going to say this for a different time, so I'm afraid I don't have her name. I'll pull it up for another episode, but uh, she defended this being just like, hey, like you know, we're bodybuilders. We spent all this time. We want to. Show off our skin We want to show off That we're strong And things like that I didn't feel like I was objectified I felt empowered Is you know Those were her words uh, On that And she also brought up 300 in terms of Just like you know How come you know Gerard Butler and the company can you know Show off their muscles But then when we do it It's just like it, you know You're going to criticize The guy who empowered us For trying to objectify us When like it's not like There's close up shots Of midriff and ass And you know Cleavage and all that Type of stuff it, it's it's very, like, you don't really notice much of it. You, you, the skin you notice is just muscle, you know, uh, in that. Again, this is, I'm going off of what she said as somebody who was somebody who was part of it. Uh, I think it really comes down to the people involved and what they feel like uh, represents them the best and what they want to do In uh, the end of the day. And some people might still, you know, give them flack for, like, sexualizing, but uh, I think Dustin was 100% right when it comes to the two different cuts there are clearly shots meant to highlight uh, more of Diana's ass in the Whedon cut <laughs> That's than so in the Snyder cut. I,
0: I forgot all about that. I can't believe because Whedon always a self-proclaimed male feminist, and right, yeah. and we get we get this going on. So I don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But he cuts out Whedon cut out a majority of the favorite parts um, of. Wonder Woman and the Muscarians and replaced it with a lot of stuff that is more about her being hit on by Aquaman or shots of, like, we'll get into it when we get to that part, this upcoming part, but when Bruce and Barry meet with her at the the airport, a big difference is that in uh, the Snyder Cut, when Bruce sort of descends down to talk to her, it's sort of a close-up shot of Bruce coming down. In the Whedon Cut, it's a wide shot, just so you could see Gal Gadot in tight leather pants. Uh, Snyder cuts that entirely on that. Now it's possible Snyder still had still had to shoot that based off the producers and Whedon kept that because I have a hard time believing Whedon's just going to set up a shot just for that. But it still goes to show that the studio wanted that and Snyder was like, I'm not going to do that. But the last part of chapter one, don't count on it, Batman, is the Themyscira part. And just like the Wonder Woman part, this part is a lot longer. Uh, but one of the first major differences you notice is Steppenwolf himself. Steppenwolf Ooh, yeah. looks very different in both cuts, both in the Whedon cut and the Snyder cut. Uh, in the Whedon cut, he was kind of criticized as being a little just very generic looking, whereas opposed in this one, his armor is alive. It moves around. It's not static. Uh, and he has a more alien, more monstrous face, which matches up to the Steppenwolf we saw at the end of the Ultimate Edition.
0: Except for, that for those puppet dog eyes sometimes. Yes.
1: Uh, The characterization of Steppenwolf is also different in uh, in just the scene alone, but in general. In that there is some. He actually has a characterization. (laughs) He actually has a subplot (laughs) (laughs) in this. I was just like, oh, Steppenwolf's a character in this. (laughs) Uh There's some shit going on here. There are people who actually are just like, oh, poor Steppy, You just want to go home on Twitter right now. (laughs) Nobody was saying that everyone was just like, why the hell was this guy, the justice league villain in 2017? Now everyone's just like, Oh, this poor boy, you know, step a now. Yeah. (laughs) So in the Snyder version, he's more threatening. Definitely. He comes down and he talks about, you know, defenders. You're not enough. And he's going to enlighten them on their fear. The Whedon version has Steppenwolf obsessed with the mother box and constantly calling it mother, which was not in the Snyder cut at all. Not, not once does he call it mother. I don't think, um, He seems to have an attachment to it and seems less threatening to the Themyscirans in the Whedon version uh there's some very generic dialogue where Hippolytus says you will not like your welcome and he's like oh I think I will before the parademons come down in the Snyder version we have a bit that I think has been quoted all over Twitter which is Steppenwolf being like I will bathe in your fear and Hippolytus says Themyscira show them your fear and they all chant we have no fear so again, Boom. that
0: shit fucking ruled, by the way.
1: Self-proclaimed feminist, Weedon cut, all of that. <laughs> uh, in the Snyder Cut, Steppenwolf is pissed when Hippolyta gets to the mother box, while in the Weedon cut, he's like, yes, run. Again, more just very generic villain dialogue. If you think about it, it makes no sense for him to be glad that she's running off with the mother box. That's just what he wants. Um, in the Snyder Cut, Hippolyta does an awesome flip up the wall before killing a parademon with her sword. Connie Nielsen, who plays Hippolyta, wanted, you know, when she found out the Snyder Cut was coming out uh, on HBO Max, uh, she called up Snyder and said, Hey, is my stunt going to be there? And he's like, You're damn right it will. And she's like, (laughs) Then you have my my blessing. (laughs) So (laughs) proceed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Many violent deaths were cut from the Whedon version uh, that are in the Snyder Cut, such as the death of one of her warriors who tells her to honor them, Uh, Hippolyta killing the parademon in the hallway which actually is partially why the last two warriors kind of have to hold it up for her whereas in the whedon cut it just kind of makes it seem like they started destroying the gate way too soon um we have an additional scene in the snyder cut of hippolyta looking over the ocean because the temple the entire fucking temple falls into the ocean in the snyder version and she sort of looks over it, takes her helmet off and mourns her sisters and there's just so much more weight to the sacrifice of the amazons here that just was not there in the Whedon version, where it's kind of just like action, action. Steppenwolf's gonna get the box, and and sure that you still saw you know some some death scenes, but it was it just didn't have the same punch to it at all. Um, Steppenwolf fighting the Amazons is more violent, with him throwing horses around in the Snyder version, uh, and he threatens Apollos before he leaves, saying, "You can't save her. You can't save any of them. The great darkness begins." Whereas in the the Whedon cut, he says uh, basically seems like he has the hots for Hippolyta, saying that uh, (laughs) she'll join his legion and that, quote, you will love me. You all will, he says to all of them before he leaves. Uh, The uh, warrior who is uh, killed being pinned under the horse has a longer death scene in the Snyder version, and the Snyder version also has more dialogue about how Steppenwolf is going to go after the other two boxes. But in general... It, it does seem like Snyder's version is more violent and sets up that Steppenwolf is not to be fucked with in this. So, uh, your guys' thoughts on the Themyscira sequence. Dustin.
3: I mean, it was just amazing. Like, night and day. <laughs> like, I don't... Like, all that we just talked about with the weed in, like, I don't remember any of that. Like, none of it, like, resonated with me. So, <laughs> like, um, I mean, it just unbelievable um just and and the cgi artist i mean they need to you know be given an award for pulling that off like just like all the you know the, like you mentioned the armor being alive and all the mm-hmm. little pieces like moving and um the, i mean the whole thing was just unbelievable um and that's that, that's the moment you realize that i, I think that like okay this is going to be completely different for the rest of the, you know, the movie. Um, unbelievable.
1: Yeah. Zach?
5: Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, Dustin will agree with me, the design is a very important element for characters, and it is just, overall, that alone was such a vast improvement over the generic kind of Pirates of the Caribbean-looking uh, Steppenwolf from the Justice cut. It's something about him... Like like you said, nothing resonated with me. I didn't like the way that he looked, and I didn't like the things that he said. It was just very generic. And this one, it was like, he looks really cool, and he's very uh, intimidating. Like, you see all this stuff that he's doing. He is not a threat to be taken lightly, and that's already, you know, such an improvement over this other just bland, you know, unmemorable character that we got in 2017 but yeah his armor is really cool and um, yeah he was just badass I do I do wish the one thing that had happened was that when all the uh, rest of the Amazonian uh, troops on the horses came I wished a couple of them had come and like picked that horse up off the one girl that was on the ground uh, I was just kind of like surprised that they all just like I guess they were really just trying to get Steppenwolf But I was like, just a couple of them could have gone over there and wedged that horse up to drag her out from under it. But um, yeah, it just had such uh, an emotional impact, whereas I don't remember a lot of it in the uh, Justice League version because it was just whatever. Like, I do remember liking the Amazons during that part, but I, I didn't remember if the temple went into the water or not. And seeing it this way, I was like, wow, there's such a, already is such a huge impact and loss of life to this this group of people in this cut. And this is like Steppenwolf's first, you know, uh, first introduction to us with him coming to earth. So it's, you know, it just makes a, a bigger impact overall.
1: Andrew.
0: It feels like Snyder put his 300 sensibilities into the Amazon. Mm-hmm. Amazon Women and like the whole like show you no fear or whatever that line was. God damn, man. Uh women out there, please comment on this. Uh I'd like to know your thoughts uh because I I think I don't know. It just seems like it's one of those scenes that's like empowering as fuck for women and and younger girls out there. So I, I mean, it was just fucking awesome and um man, when he threw that fucking horse, dude, I was like, "Damn, that fucking rules." Um it's <laughs> CG horse, so nobody can get upset <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, as imagery on screen, it was just so cool. It feels like and I'm don't really this is my second sports reference in this episode. I don't really watch sports that much, but it just feels kind of like football or something like get the fucking thing away uh of course life and death football, but um you know, the mother box being being the ball uh and I don't know, it's just like again, very tense. Uh, handled really well. And yeah, the fucking whole temple falling down, holy shit. That adds a lot more weight to it, obviously. So, Snyder again.
1: Okay. I definitely agree with you guys. This is so much better than the Weed and Cut. The Themis and stuff in the Weed and Cut was probably one of the best parts of the Justice League, but it's one of the best parts of Justice League because. Snyder shot it and the worst parts of those scenes are all the stuff that we did with it by making Steppenwolf more generic and talking about mother and all those types of <laughs> stuff that we just did not give a fuck about Yeah, uh, on any of that. So uh, is it he, does, Mike Pence?
0: <laughs> 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 it does set up
1: Steppenwolf so much better. Uh, gives a lot more emotional weight to the Themyscirans. Even if we haven't spent a lot of time with these specific Themyscirans outside of Hippolyta, you do feel the weight of their sacrifice in fighting him off and it's just so much there's just so much to that part where the temple falls and, and she's looking over the ocean that I just like, I can't believe you just replaced it with Steppenwolf just slicing himself out of the temple and just running off. Like, just Again, emotional impact, emotional weight just is, is missing uh, from the other version of this. And it's because Steppenwolf is so brutal and, and kills all you know these Themyscirans that you don't mind the fact that he basically gets his ass mutilated at the end of this movie. You know, Superman just destroys him and as does you know Arthur and Diana at the very end so uh, I think this is this is very smart to make you see this guy's a threat this guy you know kills a lot of warriors who you root for uh, so that by the time you get to the part where he gets defeated you're just like okay he got you know that's justice done in Justice League so uh our ending score is going to be Snyder 7, Whedon 1.5, because we're giving him the point .5 because of the, the terrorist line kind of thematically tying into the rest of the stuff, but it's only point .5 because it's, it's like one line.
0: One line change, yeah. One the line rest change. was not great.
1: Yeah. So that is superhero stuff you should know. On to the fan comments. We have Walter the Robot is back with a quick question for Andrew. So uh, I know you probably saw this one, Andrew. Uh-huh. Uh, he said, have you read Batman Child of Dreams by Kia as- Asamiya? Is that how you pronounce it?
0: Asamiya, yeah.
1: Asamiya, okay. Knowing your love for all things Batman and Japanese, it seems the perfect cocktail. I'm just rereading the book now. I purchased the hardcover graphic novel in 2003, I believe. In case you don't know, it was the first Japanese Batman book written and drawn in Japan. The creator was particularly fond of the Tim Burton movies, and it really shows in the awesome art, as the Japanese audience was primarily acquainted with Batman Via the films back then. His goal was to provide an in by creating a book that was more realistic in tone and structure than a typical manga to satisfy western tastes and a DC while simultaneously depicting certain visuals familiar to film viewers. Personally, I found The Marriage to be a great success and highly recommend the book to all fans of The Dark Knight.
0: Okay, to answer the question, I haven't read it. It sounds fucking awesome. Uh, I want to read it, but... I gotta say, it's not the first time Japanese person in Japan wrote Batman. Lest we forget Jiro Kuwata, who wrote what they call now Bat manga. Manga means comics in Japanese, Uh, and uh, there's it's it's collected too. It's on DC Infinite as well. Was also they did one the first volume of it with Lord Deathman and Brave and the Bold. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they did it in a kind of anime style too. They did it well. They did it in the style that um, Jiro Kuata wrote, mm-hmm. uh, and drew in. Um, generally in Japan, I think this is the case. The writer and the artist are the same. The man- it's called mangaka, which is the artist, mm. the, the the person that writes the manga. The mangaka does it all, so uh, it's like pretty much total control. And I think that's the first, maybe the first time DC let somebody else do it. And that probably that's because. Even in the 60s, this was written in the 60s, around the time Adam West, maybe a little bit after, uh, but uh, I think it was the first time DC led a non-American entity, like, write Batman, maybe anything at all, so um, I think there were some little blurbs about Superman. If you know anything about the Japanese Superman out there, by the way, there's some little stuff that might predate Batmanga, but it might not be a full comic, uh, so... Um, if you know anything about that, please drop us a line on that. There's like a little bit out there, but because uh, Emperor Hirohito, I think, I think it's Hirohito liked the George Reeves show and Superman gained some popularity in Japan at that time. But uh, cut to a few years later, then Batmanga comes out and you get Lord Deathman, which comes back later as well, which is hilarious. Also, Clayface is in there um, and all that. So uh, check out Bat Manga. Um, and also Jiro Kawada also, this is sort of a tangent, but I want to say it out there Um, he wrote a a manga, which is one of the first anime I ever saw, called 8-Man 8-Man After, and that's about a cop that gets blown to bits and then turns into a robot okay? Hmm. way way before Robocop (laughs) I try to google this shit they fucking there's no info on it at all but there might be some connection with Jiro Kuwata, Eight Man After, eight, like the number eight, uh, and and RoboCop. If you know anything, let us know. Would love to know more about it. Nice. I'd buy that for a dollar. dollar.
5: (laughs) Child of Dreams is awesome. I don't know if anybody else has read it other than Andrew, but... uh, It's excellent. And the front cover does look like Michael Keaton's Batman sitting in a chair. But uh, I do know the one thing that caught me off guard was when I read it, I'm reading like the Americanized version. So everything's put back from uh, left to right and top to bottom. And Two-Face's scarification is reversed. So I thought at first that they had just made a boo-boo because I've seen that before. I was like, is there a reason it's on the wrong side? But then I had to realize that everything like the pictures are flipped as well. Uh, in the uh, version that uh, I read yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah it is it's excellent and such a cool idea I've got a lot of the statues uh, like the little toy statues that came from that oh, graphic nice. novel I
6: mm-hmm.
0: are they flipped because they're from a Japanese manga
5: right yeah there okay, is a Japanese read, version right where it's correct yeah. mm-hmm. gotcha yeah.
0: okay that makes sense now all right
1: awesome uh, next one is from Rolando Rodriguez on our uh, Man of Steel 2 pitch uh, video where we talked about having uh, Superman versus Metallo. Uh, Rolando said, quote, This was really cool. Superman vs. The Elite is one of the best DC animated movies. However, I wonder, since the events of Man of Steel, BVS, and Justice League, is there any scenes of Metallo bringing up the murder of Zod to criticize Clark's view on, on killing? uh i think this is an interesting point we did not really cover that in detail because that would kind of just be a very detailed scene but uh i would definitely i would you know include that because of the fact that it's an important thing or metallo might be like you know haven't you done that sort of thing we all know what you had to do uh and i think the perfect way to for clark to respond is how he responded in the comics uh in uh, action comics um I think it's 680... What's, it, what's in my notes on this one? Because I had something up on this. Uh, 683 by Roger Stern. Uh, he actually is up against the vigilante who kills, named The Jackal. And he is criticized for uh, almost being a hypocrite here. And Superman says, quote, There are times when we must kill in defense of ourselves or others. Sometimes there is no other way. But most of the time, we have a choice. So we kind of include that in that moment, as well as bring up that killing Zod... In Snyder's original intention, killing Zod would... You know cause superman enough regret to not want to kill again so it could also be another factor where cavill superman would bring up like yeah i did and it haunts me every night especially because it was the last of my kind sort of thing so right uh that sort of element i think would be good to add so fantastic question Molando. uh last comment is from unless you had something else to add on that andrew because that's no part of our pitch Oh cool. no, Yeah, that's great. Uh, Asker's Webb is one of our new Patreon supporters and uh, he commented on a lot of stuff. I, we're just catching up on it but uh, he seems to agree on my views of Christian Bale's batsuit in comparison to Ben Affleck. He said quote, black tennis shoe, I died. Because that's exactly what I called Bale's <laughs> bat suit. Uh He says quote, totally agree with the Dark Knight suit being shit. I don't mind an armored bat suit like Arkham Knight or the Bat and Cinch suit but it has to be gray and black to me. I don't like the older all black suits with fake muscles as it's so obvious, and criminals would be able to see that very easily when the armor is underneath, like Batfleck, then it's amazing. I know Zach will probably disagree on that one, but uh, <laughs> when it comes to um, the, the Batfleck suit, I mean, obviously, I'm not you never see me in a Dark Knight bat suit in any of these episodes, I'm always in this one, so I think that kind of speaks for itself on that. Uh, over to you. Andrew, that's it for the fan comments.
0: Okay, thanks, Walter and the rest, Asker's Web, and who else am I forgetting? Rolando Rodriguez. Rolando Rodriguez. Thank you, everybody. All right, so, uh, and again, a thank you to our Patreon supporters, which are Shasta, Leom O, Super Inframan, Douglas P, Dan D, Aaron Willett, Nick Noir, Asker's Web, and Mm -hmm. we'd like to thank our other supporters that are... Geddon, SDCT Productions, Robert Schumann, Kookie Noms, Matt Herring, Elijah B, Shamrock Balls, ENH, Walter the Wobot, and John Wells. Please join the Shasta Army. That's the $1 tier on patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. And then more importantly, the $5 tier. Cancel anytime. You get a new episode every Friday. Um, this uh, main show comes out on Monday. And then we go into a deeper dive connected to the free show um on on youtube and spotify and itunes but the one on patreon it goes even deeper and uh that's five dollars five dollars and um it's all it's basically like a dollar an episode just about cancel anytime you want um and then after that uh we have super house merch a lot of it uh illustrated by wolfie if you remember that guy <laughs> um <laughs> which is uh ben man art and uh, the Indeed Wizard art and the logo and stuff like that and that can be found at superhousepod.redbubble.com and also tpublic.com user slash superhousepodcast5000 you can also get it on the Patreon if you want actually um, but also uh, it's on Threadless which is stuffpod.threadless.com so get your Ben Man shirt get your Indeed Wizard mug stuff like that so yeah um, so yeah Uh, please leave us a review in iTunes. That would be sweet. And then uh, please record us something, uh, any kind of like audio you want to send us and uh, send that to, uh, you know, you have a voice recorder app on your phone, more than likely, and then uh, record something and then send that recording to superhousepodcast at gmail.com. I am Thunderwolf lives uh, on all the other shit that I do online, which is the more Japan-centric stuff like what uh, Walter the Wobot was talking about uh and uh japanese language culture video games uh manga anime and shit like that um, even going into like jap religion in japan that's one of my most one of the most uh, what do you call it the, the the video that's gotten the most views that I've done online ever is something I've done on shinto and buddhism actually in japan um, and that's uh thunderwolf lives on youtube so check that out thunderwolflives.com and ben
1: Uh, You can follow us on Twitter at SuperHousePod. You can also follow us on Instagram at SuperHeroStuffPod, where we met uh, both of these members of our Justice League, uh, both Zach and Dustin. Uh, you can follow me on my personal Instagram at benwanrider, uh, as well as my baby boy's Instagram, my cat uh, Alfie Pennyworth. Alfie Pennyworth cat is the Instagram handle. He teaches me how to make tea, just like the Alfred in the Justice League. He teaches <laughs> you uh, how to live. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> the meaning of life. Yes, this is Alfred. I work for him. Uh, and then uh, the webs- my website is www.benwanrider.com uh, which also features promo art by Dustin on my uh, Gotham spec. Uh, thank you, Dustin, for that. Uh, the ch- my own channel is, is linked below If you guys want to check out my old 2018 rewrite On the, the Justice League uh, Of the Joss Whedon cut There are still ideas that uh, Made it into the Snyder Cut And there's other sort of insane ideas that uh, Snyder didn't do that I still like Even if it didn't really fit uh, the actual Snyder Cut Or the real cut of Justice League Anyway, let's go on over to our guests In terms of where uh, we can Find you guys if they're not familiar with you already Starting with uh, Dustin
3: yeah you can um find me at lmasseyart.space and then also what i'm really excited about if you guys are not aware but there was an update in february to instagram and now everybody can have an instagram shop on their profile so you can actually go to my profile click view shop and it will literally take you to my lmassey.art uh, space website and you actually never leave Instagram. So um, you can find me at, at Dustin Lee Masty on Instagram because when I signed up, I didn't know what I was doing and I actually put my real name. So that's how everybody knows me and I kept it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. It's better that way. <laughs> It'd be like that.
1: Okay. And over to Zach. You can
5: find me at, as usual on the TikToks, on YouTube, on Instagram <laughs> at Zachary Jackson Brown Art and at ZacharyJacksonBrownArt.com where you can see my art and shop for my art and just get all the art you can get.
0: (laughs) All the art. Art it up. Art it up. (laughs) Art it up. Art yourself.
1: (laughs) In in pretty much all the uh, video episodes, you see both of these gentlemen's art. uh, behind us in the background. We have uh, Dustin's with the uh, Contagion covers that he did with uh, Batfleck as well as uh, Zach's art of the Column of Jokers. Uh, that you see right here behind me so uh, that is it for our episode obviously we will continue with this monster of a movie, a great monster epic of this movie uh, next week with uh, Zack Snyder Justice League Chapter 2, The Age of Heroes for those of you who are part of our Patreon uh, you guys will get an extra episode on Friday for what exactly what happened with the Will Beale Justice League from 2012 and just to give you a bit of a clue it may have had a bit of an influence on the nightmare stuff So stay tuned for that. Anyways, that is Ben signing off.
0: Goodbye, friends.
3: (laughs) This is Zach signing off. Thanks for having me.